your Bibles, be open to the book of Genesis. We are almost done. We will be finished next week. I'm bringing in a heavy hitter next week uh, to help close it out, and I, I look forward to uh, introducing you to him on that day as he wraps it up, the series in Genesis that we have been in since the beginning of the year. So if you are joining us for the first time, there's so much more to this story than just today or just Joseph. There's so much packed in the book of Genesis. Go online. All of our messages are online. All of our uh, services are online. So even if you're watching today for maybe the first time, catch us on the YouTube or on Facebook or any of those things, and you'll be able to catch up with everything as we go along. But as we go along, let me just hit a quick review on Joseph's life story, because it's important to see the journey that he has taken. You could do this same exercise. In fact, I would encourage you to do this exercise. Think about your hilltops. Think about your valleys. Think about your highs. Think about your lows. Think about your good times. Think about your bad times. And chart it out with everything that's above the line in the positive area. Even think about it. Is it, is it the highest, uh, maybe a plus 10, or maybe it's a plus 5, or a plus 1, it's just above the line, or below the line? This is kind of the journey that Joseph in his life, uh, and, and that he lived. And we have been dealing with, for the past several weeks, this painful family of origin. But let me just not talk about that. Let's, let's just, again, quick review. See the laundry list of the thing that jo- Joseph was having to deal with. He was in his life, though he had moved on, though he had moved to a new place, a new home, a new family, a new job, a new, a new everything about Joseph, uh, yet he was still having to carry that baggage. He was having, his suitcase was full of those offenses. A lot of them happening in his family of origin, but not only that, but his employer. He had some offenses at his, at his job, his work site. It was not a safe environment for him to be in and work in, and he was falsely accused, and he had to live in that false acu- accusation for years, possibly up to a decade. But then, not only that, the friends that he makes while he is in jail, falsely accused, they get out of jail, and no more than they're out of jail, and they forget him. So he is forgotten. So there's so many things that Joseph goes through in his life that we just cannot just ignore and get past. Chapter 42 to chapter 45, if you've been with us uh, for a past couple of Sundays, we've been talking about the pathway to healing. Seven different strides that Joseph takes in those chapters. And I, again, they're, they're lengthy chapters, but there are details in there and, uh, uh, that, that he goes through. He... Listen to this. Joseph is going through a healing journey, and his brothers aren't there yet. And again, can't retell those messages, so go back and re-listen. Read the passages for themselves. He, his brothers don't know he's, he's the guy on the throne until chapter 45. And in chapter 45, he does not whitewash. He does not cover over. He does not make excuses. The offenses that, he, that were committed against him, he brings it out. He says, you sold me here. You're the ones who put me here. Your offenses, your, your, your betrayal, your, your, your trafficking, your exploitation, you put me here. But then the very next words, and this is why it's so important that we get this down, that the healing process, whatever your healing process, whatever stride you're on, if you'll remember, out of the seven healing strides that we talked about, Three of them, nearly half of them, have a God factor. Have a God factor, a God element involved in them. You sold me here. The very next words, God sent me here. God sent me. 
Who, who did what? You sold me, but God sent me? Who is the, uh, who's the, the offender? Well, the offender are his brothers, but God was orchestrating. God was working. God was even in the painful moments of his past. And let this be an encouragement to anybody who's struggling with trauma, who's experienced pain and loss and hurt and betrayal. In any of that, you've gone through that. Realize that the offense is there, but also realize as the offense is there, God is also there. And that should bring enough hope that you need to lean in, move forward, and be saying, okay, God, yes, the offense is there, but where where are you in the midst of it all? And that's why I will say this when you look at the timeline of his life, that the pain of his past moves above the line. Because he began to see that God was actually working in the pains of his life. It wasn't just him, he was a victim and he lived as a victim. He actually went above that, and he used and leveraged the pain of his life as for God's good and God's glory. But then what we're going to see today is that word blessing. That's the word that's mysterious. We might use it when we say a blessing over a meal. We might, we might loosely use it in our church Christianese from day to day, but let me just tell you, it has significance. It has so much significance that you do not want to send your children into this world without it. You do not want to live a day without the blessing. The blessing is absolutely huge, and you cannot live without it in a healthy, healthy manner. But a lot of people, hear this, and I said this a few weeks ago, a lot of people will trade success for health. They can't, they can't figure out how to get past not having the blessing, so what they'll do is they'll pile on success after success, things after things, accomplishments after accomplishment, and they just cover over what they need to actually unpack and deal with. So chapter 46 to 47, and again, we're going, I'm giving you the flyover of that, is whenever the healing process continues in Joseph's life, and he invites his family, Jacob, and all the rest of the 70 sons and grandsons to move to Egypt. He doesn't just help settle them as refugees, but he actually helps settle them and helps make them uh, productive citizens in the community, which is a beautiful work of a refugee. When you can help a refugee go from the disheveled life of brokenness into a life of actually contributing to society, that's beautiful. So they go from the land of Canaan, where there's a famine, down to the land of Egypt, and they are there in the land of Goshen. Goshen is not some swamp, some desert land. It's actually beautiful land right on the Nile River. And they had a job to do while they were there. They became the herdsmen. They became the shepherds. They kept uh, over the flocks. They were the ones that made sure there was meat on the table. And they became very prosperous in that 400 years that they're, they're there. And again, that gets into the book of Exodus. But we want to spend today in chapter 48 and 49. When Jacob meets his grandsons, the sons of Joseph, for the very first time. When he meets Ephraim, when he meets Manasseh, and he he gathers them to his side, I want you to notice the very first meeting, what he wants to make sure his grandkids walk through life with. Because nobody needs to enter this world without this. So look at chapter 48, uh, verse 1, and after this, this is all the things that were talked about in chapter 47. He says, after this, Joseph was told, behold, your father is ill. 
So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So he goes, his dad's not feeling well. And now let's get down to verse verse 3. And Jacob said to Joseph, first words out of Jacob's mouth, he says, God Almighty. Now hang on to that. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But Jacob introduces a title of God that is El Shaddai. And he says this, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. The the reality that Jacob is living in a blessing, the fact that I'm saying what he's going to do next with his grandkids, he's going to pass on the blessing. It is a beautiful moment in time. Let's go on to verse 4. And he said to him, he said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply to you and I will make uh, make of you a company of people and will give you the land of your offspring after you, an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt, because remember, Joseph married an Egyptian woman, before I came to you in the land of Egypt, are mine. I have adopted them. They are mine as if they were born into to our, into our family tree. They are as much mine as anybody else. Ephraim and Manasseh and shall be mine just as much as Reuben and Simeon are. So there's, there's complete equality. They may be of a mixed race, but they are mine. They are a part of me. We are together, and I am going to do something in their life. And again, I want you to hang on to that El Shaddai phrase. We'll come back to that in a moment. But verse 8 and 9, if you'll skip down there. And when Israel, remember Israel is actually the name for Jacob. It was given to him in his salvation experience. And when Israel saw Joseph's sons, so now he's laying eyes on them for the first time, he said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. That I may bless them. There is an incredible, important element that you may not have on your parenting, grandparenting, aunt and uncle, big brother, big sister radar. That if it's not on there, I want it to be on there. And it's not, do I, did I get my kids in the right school? That could be a part of it. It's not did I, did I provide the right extracurricular activities, get them on the right traveling team to get them in the right exposure to the right colleges so that hopefully they'll get a good education and I won't have to pay for it. It's, it's not did I give them the right car. It's not did I, did, did they make the honor roll, even though all of those could fit into a beautiful package of being a beautiful parent. The question that we need to ask ourselves as parents, as grandparents, and we need to ask ourselves as aunt and uncles, and we need to ask ourselves as brothers and sisters, is am I passing on the blessing? Is the blessing being passed on? And again, this is something that you, nobody, here's a life principle for you, nobody needs to enter this world as an adult without the blessing. And when I say the blessing, I'm not just talking about a blessing. I put a definite article in front of that, the blessing. 
as if it is a particular kind of blessing. Now, you've got to realize in, in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis specifically, the blessing meant multiple things. One, there was the covenantal blessing of Abraham to Isaac to Jacob uh, that would end up going on down to generations to generations all the way to Jesus. We'll get there at the end. But that's the covenantal blessing. But then there's just the general blessing that you want everyone to have, that you want all people in all generations to have, that everyone has the right to if the parents, grandparents, give it to them. I'm going to tell you this about the blessing, because it's the most intangible yet priceless gift you can give your kids. It's, it's more valuable if your name were Walton living in northwest Arkansas. It's, it's, it's priceless, it's intangible, and it can only be given, it can never be earned. Hang on to that. You don't earn the blessing. You're given the blessing. Very important. So let us talk about three rules, if you will, to conveying the blessing. Passing down the blessing. Number one rule is the blessing is intentional, not accidental. Okay, it's, it's not just going to happen by osmosis. It's not just going to happen because they rub up next to you. It's not just going to happen because of one day you graduate them and send them off to college. It's not going to happen unless you intentionally build it into the systems of your, of your, of your, of, 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 of the ecosystem of your family. Unless you build it in there intentionally and you as a husband and wife decide that we are going to make sure our kids leave and live under the blessing. A lot of people will live all of their life and never know what that means. The blessing is spiritual, it is emotional, it is mental, it is physical. And it is all of those. In chapter 48, when I say that it is intentional, I want you to see the intentionality of Jacob. Even on his deathbed, he was ill and about to die. On his deathbed, what is the last thing that he does? The thing that he wants to make sure his grandkids get. Grandparents, making sure your grandkids get this. Chapter 48, verse 9, and we'll go back there again. He says, bring them to me for the purpose clause that I may. That I may bless them. There's a, there's a reason I want you to bring them. There's a purpose that I want you to bring them to me. He was very intentional about this. Now, why was Jacob so intentional about this? It's because... Jacob was intentional about this because Isaac was intentional about this. I'm going to give you a lot of verses today, but you can look up chapter 28, verse 3, and you can see when Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob. But then you can also go further into Scriptures, and you can see where Abraham was very intentional about giving the blessing to Isaac. This blessing must be a, a generational thing that is passed down. But what we're going to see in this passage of Scripture alone, it just, it just in a short time today, I want you to see that Abraham gave it to Isaac. Isaac gave it to uh, Jacob. Jacob will give it to his grandkids. But we're also going to see in this passage in, in a moment that he's going to give it to Joseph too. Long-awaited Joseph is now 40 years old. And when he was 17 and should have been getting the blessing from his dad, he wasn't. He was being sold into slavery. He was being stripped naked. All the abuse from the brothers would happen. He lives, listen, he lives till he's 40 years old without the blessing. And some of you are 40 years old or younger. 
and you're living without the blessing to this day. But I want you to see, we've talked about generational sins. I want you to see a generational blessing here. Very intentional, Abraham did it to Isaac. Isaac did it to Jacob. Jacob does it to not only Joseph, but he does it to his all of his sons. And he also makes sure his grandsons get it. Five generations that we're going to see in this passage alone today. I, I, I literally struggle with this and when I was going into being a parent because I didn't know how to be a parent. You notice the kids pop out and they don't come with any instructions. Zero. You can, it takes you more to drive a car. You have to pass a test to drive a car. You don't have to pass a test to parent. It's incredible. But somehow in that whole process... I read Raising Modern Day Knights by Robert Lewis. It's an incredible book. Kind of gave me some framework. I just recently uh, uh, came across this book, Intentional Father, The Intentional Father. Made sure my uh, my son here, who's expecting their first child in uh, in November, and then our, our our son who our son-in-law who they had their our twins back in in February. And made sure they got a copy of this, and I'm reading it too, and I'm devouring it. I am literally in the last two chapters of the book in a matter of two days. I'm not here to sell books. One of the things I realized about when I was reading this, that there's so many men, there's so many women that are left, listen to this, to figure out what it means to be an adult. They're left to go from teenagers to adulthood. And really what they do is they go from teenagers to adult agers. That's it. They're, they're boys who shave. They make more money than they made when they were mowing yards. They don't know how to be a man. And women don't know how to be a woman. A woman. And it doesn't just come by osmosis. I want to read to you a statement that that John Tyson makes in the book that I think is pretty powerful. Speaking of this whole idea of having to self-initiate into adulthood, because here's here's the reality. Listen to this. As we're talking about getting ready to talk about messy Jesus, as we're getting ready to talk about messy Jesus, realize this, that this book points out that less than half, 47% of adults will talk to their Christian. So we're not even talking about just people who don't have a... Christian, uh, Christian worldview, Christian mothers and fathers, 47%, less than half, will talk to their children about sex. So what does that mean? Over half of the kids of the next generation are getting to figure it out. Where from? From the internet. That's wise. From their friends in the locker room. From wherever they can figure it out and explore it on their own. Keep that in mind when... There's no older generation intentionally ushering boys into manhood or girls into girls uh, into womanhood. When there's no tribe of mentors or fathers taking their sons along a predetermined path. Many of your young men will try to establish themselves attempting to walk through the wilderness of adolescence with the hope that somehow they'll find their way into adulthood on their own. Listen, if you're going to pass the blessing on, it's going to be intentional. And the passing of the baton happens in a relay race. 
The responsibility is not upon the receiver to receive the baton. The responsibility is upon the one who has the baton to put it into the hands of the next generation. So it's going to be up to us, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, to make sure, grandparents, to make sure that the next generation gets a firm grasp on what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and all the beauty and the complexities of that. Number two. It's not accidental. It's going to be intentional. Number two, it will, blessings will come structural, not organic. Well, my kids will get it over time. They're just going to watch me and figure it out. That's <laughs> not how it works. Okay? I, I, I literally go to, off to college, and I, and I grew up in, in, in a home where not a consistent father figure, and my mother was very consistent and faithful, but I was just trying to figure out what a man was supposed to be like, more than just burping and farting and doing those kinds of things. Now, I said that. I, sometimes I wonder why I say things. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, the, uh, the, the reality, I throw my own self off my own message. Um, I, go, I go to college, and there was a professor from New Zealand, a Kiwi from New Zealand that was a professor of mine, who invited me into his home on Friday mornings. At 6 a.m., a college student getting out, choosing to get out of bed at Friday mornings at 6 a.m. is ridiculous. But he invites me in. He begins to pour into me and tell me and show me what a man is supposed to be like. One of the first books we read was A Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley called The Blessing. I'd never heard of the concept before in my life. But in that book, it talks about five elements of the blessing. And since that, as a college freshman, I had been mulling that over, raising three, three kids into this next generation, launching them. I had been thinking about the blessing. The blessing has been something at the forefront of my mind. I've read the blessing probably five different times. I've given it out like candy. So I want to define clearly the structure of the blessing. So when you walk out of here, you know and you can evaluate, am I giving it to them spiritually? Am I giving it to them emotionally? Am I giving it to them physically? Am I passing on the blessing to them in the ways that they need the blessing? The first way, and I've kind of taken the ways that they brought and bring them and kind of own them a little bit, massage them and make them my own. One is the physical. There's a physical element of the blessing. It's a meaningful touch. There's a meaningful touch that goes into the blessing. Isaac, whenever he blessed Jacob, what does he do? Notice this. He came near and kissed me, my son. Calls his son, calls his, his son near to him to bless him, to kiss him. There's a touch involved. Jacob receives the blessing from Isaac by coming near and a kiss. Notice how Jacob gives the blessing when he gives it away in chapter 48, verse 10. Chapter 48, verse 10, it says it like this. And he kissed them and he embraced them. And also they came near. There's a physical touch that goes involved with the blessing. It's a pat on the back. It's a high five. It's a hug. It's an embrace. It's a, I'm there for you to cry your tears out on the shoulder. That sometimes we as parents want to keep our arms linked. Man, embrace your kids. Create a safe environment of touch in your home. Meaningful, safe touches in the home. UCLA did a study and they said that 
individuals to maintain a healthy life need eight to ten meaningful touches a day. Eight to ten meaningful touches a day. How are you touching your kids in an appropriate, safe, affirming kind of way? Number two, there's a mental element. There's a spoken message. We all have messages. I don't know if you realize this. There's a recording going off in all of our heads. It's going off right now for some of you about parenting, about the way you were parented, about about the way you want to parent or the way you feel worthy or unworthy, the way you felt like you failed. And these, these recordings go off in our heads subconsciously. Sometimes consciously we, we hit record and, and play again. But I want you to notice in chapter 27, verse 27, when Isaac was blessing Jacob, he blessed him and said. There was a word that was spoken out. See the smell. Now notice what he calls it. He says, the smell of a son who smells of the field. That's not exactly, I, I think, a flattering statement. You stink like body odor, like you've been working in the field. Or you smell like the, the hard labor of a hardworking son. And that was an affirming thing. And he speaks it over him. The Lord has blessed. He speaks the blessing over him. He affirms him in, in the way that he lives. Whenever you look at the Scriptures, you can't miss whenever God the Father is looking at God the Son. Even then, there's affirmation, spoken word of God the Father looking down at God the Son that even Jesus in the launching of his ministry, at his baptism, God the Father speaks into him and says this, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There's so many. I I preached a Father's Day message one time on the spoken word that every father needs to give a son. And it used that passage right there. This is my beloved son. You belong. We belong. We're together. Do your sons, your daughters know that? In whom I'm pleased. I look at you and I smile. I look at you and I affirm you. I, I look at you and I want the best for you. I'm pleased with you. Listen to him. Speak of a positive future for his life. You see the blessing lived out right here between God the Father and God the Son. There's also number three, there's an emotional. When you speak high value and a promising future. Chapter 49, verse 1, Joseph calls all his sons together. His last words out of his mouth. Chapter 49, Jacob speaks. Jacob called his sons together and he gathered themselves together and that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. I want to speak to you about your future. I want to talk about where you're going. Parents, you gather your kids around and you point out all the mistakes or do you point out the possibilities? Now you've got to correct. That's a part of parenting. You don't want to raid the hedonistic little suckers out there into this world. We've got enough of them. We need kids that have direction and purpose in life. Speaking a high value and a promising future is a part of that. Now, I want to remind you, just for your emotional well-being, some of y'all are sitting in this room and you've not received the blessing from your parents, your grandparents. You're walking through life wondering, am I good enough? Am I going anywhere? Do I have value? And I come to you with great empathy. I I think Joseph would come to you. He's 40 years old. 
All he knows about his family of origin is they traded him, sold him, and lied about him. And now his dad's on the scene. He hadn't seen his dad in all these years. He's 40 years old. He hasn't had the blessing. His kids have got the blessing. Ephraim have gotten it. Manasseh have gotten it. He hasn't gotten it. But I love it in that chapter, chapter 48. You see it in verse 15. Dad makes up for lost time. And again in chapter 49, verse 22, listen to the words of Daddy Jacob speaking over Joseph. Joseph is a faithful vine. Can you imagine what was going on inside of him? I'm waiting. I'm longing to hear from my daddy. What does my dad think about me? What does my mother think about me? What do my grandparents think about me? You're a faithful vine. A fruitful vine near a spring. You've got life. You've got tenure. You've got, you're, you're, you're not just for yourself. You're bearing fruit for all the generations, for all of our people, for all of our family. There's this beautiful healing. Can you imagine what's going on inside of him whose branches climb over the wall? There's nothing separating you. You're, there, there might have been Cana there in Egypt here, but you're coming to us. You're bringing us to you. You're not going to let the blessing just stay with you. I just love how Joseph, how Jacob pours into his son at 40 years of old and gives him the blessing that he should have got when he was 17. And again, the warning is clear. But some of you are like, man, I would, I, 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 would, I would love to get that affirmation. I would love to get that positive future. I would love to get that high value spoken over me. I w-, and the reality is, is that some of you, the family members will live and die and move on, and they will never give you the blessing. And now what, what, what I say about that, I just want to encourage you. There's still hope for the blessing. You're going to have to deal with the reality that you may not get it from the people who should have given it to you. Richard Rohr said it, it's quoted in this book, if you do not transform our pain, if we do not transform our pain, we most assuredly will transmit our pain. What we'll end up doing is we'll do what we said we would never do. We'll just repeat it. The, the also, it, it is a spiritual, it's an active commitment. Again, I've got to point this out to you because I said I would point it out to you. But it, whenever you notice the first words out of Jacob's mouth when he stands before or Joseph comes before him and he's ill in the last days of his life, he says, God Almighty, that's not just a simple phrase. God Almighty is the, is, the, is the title for God of El Shaddai, okay? It's used six different times. In, 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 the, uh, in, in the book of Genesis, six different times, Abraham is introduced to the El Shaddai, the God Almighty, when he's 99 years old and he finally has a son named Isaac. The God Almighty. But he makes sure that Isaac gets it, and Isaac gets it, and he passes it down to, 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 Joke, to, excuse me, to Jacob. In chapter 28, verse 3, it's passed down there. It's seen again in the passage again. And then in chapter 35, verse 11, Jacob himself experiences the El Shaddai for himself. 
And now, the very first words when he engages with his son at this time, he says, I want to make sure you know who the El Shaddai is. The El Shaddai is no small title. It's the God Almighty. And I want you to notice yet again, a part of the blessing is that Abraham made sure Isaac knew who El Shaddai was, and Isaac made sure Jacob knew who El Shaddai was, and Jacob made sure Joseph knew who El Shaddai was. The God Almighty. Don't miss that. And when he's giving his blessing to him, he says in verse 3, he says, And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan. He's giving a testimony how God was almighty to him. And then in his blessing in chapter 49, verse 25, he says this, By the Almighty who bless you and the blessing of heaven above. Let me just say this. As parents, I want to challenge you. Parents, hear. Grandparents, hear this. If you are not actively committed to the spiritual formations of your children, you are missing it. Some people think that if I bring my kids to church and I drop them off in the, in the preschool, I drop them off in the kids, I bring them, make sure they get in here on Wednesday night for student ministry, I've done my job. I, I kind of get my kids' spiritual formation taken care of. And we almost make the church the surrogate parents spiritually. Never was God's intent. Never. Read the Shema in the Old Testament. It was the parents' task. It was the parents' task. What the church gets to do is we get to partner with you. What we're going to do is we're going to make a commitment to you as a parent that we're going to make sure that we're going to present to your children and your next generation that they're going to get the Word of God. And so hopefully as you go home and as you are practicing in your home, that there's going to be that generational alignment between us and the scriptural alignment between us and, and you, and we're going to do this together. But man, if you just think you drop off your kids and that's going to take care of it, it's not going to be good enough. I think about my mother as a, single mom raising us boys and um, she was very committed to making sure we got the best we could get and yet she was a single mom. She told me this when I became an adult that one night she was praying over us boys as we were all sleeping in the same bedroom. She said after trying to be the best dad she could be and the best mom she could be, she just realized she couldn't be a dad. She could be a mom, but she couldn't be a dad. She prayed over us as a single parent. She said, I can't be their dad. I can be their mother. I need your help. Would you be their dad? And I can tell you this. I didn't know that as a kid, but she prayed that over us. And I thank God for Eddie, for Tom, for Tim, for Buddy, for the Sunday school teachers, the small group leaders, and the pastors, and the, and the professor from New Zealand, the Kiwi from New Zealand, who God put in my life to help get the blessing into me so that I would know what the blessing was from a, from a father figure. Listen, don't let your kids go without the blessing, but don't give it to the church to give the blessing. Let us compliment you as you do the blessing. And if you aren't pouring into the next generation, you are called as a parent, as a grandparent to pour into the next generation. How are you passing on the blessing? Number three, the blessing is personal, not generic. Chapter 49, verse 28. 
all these 12 tribes of Israel. If you, go, if you go read chapter 49 on your own this week, you'll find every single one of the sons of, of Jacob are mentioned. Every single one of them is giving a personalized blessing over them. And the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what the Father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with a blessing suitable to him. I love the personalization. There is no cookie-cutter parenting out there. Every child is unique, and every child is, is, is a unique gift. What can you as a parent intentionally, structurally, and personally say over your children and say to your children to give the blessing to them? You, you would think that Joseph plays such a strategic role in the kingdom of God that he would be the covenantal blessing carrier. Remember, I said there are two kinds of blessings, general blessings, and there's the covenant blessing. It's not Joseph. It's actually his brother, Judah. But Judah's going to carry the blessing into the next generation and into the next generation, and it's going to be his family line. If you open the book of Matthew, and nobody reads the genealogies, but if you read genealogies, chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, And Abraham, the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah, and his brothers. And then all the way down to verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. Literally, it goes through the Old Testament, naming one after the other. The blessing is passed down. The covenantal blessing is passed down. And it lands finally on Jesus. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant promise of Abraham. And Jesus comes to give us life. And it's going to be through the line of Judah. In fact, when you go to Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, you'll find this. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll. Nobody needs to go into this world without the blessing. The blessing is what you give to the next generation. And if you notice as we wrap up the book of Genesis this next week, I want you to notice this. When God starts the grand narrative, in the very beginning of it all, all the world is all perfect and put together. Everything is good and right and beautiful. What does he do in the very beginning? To start the conversation, to start the created order, when he creates all the earth and all the space and all the lands and all the rivers and all the mountains, and then he creates humanity. He does something. He blessed them. The only two things that he blesses in the creation order is the Sabbath day and humanity. And ever since then, humanity has been walking away from the blessing. You follow the blessing line all the way through the book of Genesis, it disappears until Noah. Well, what happens with Noah? Well, the world's wiped out, restarting again, afresh and anew. And what does God do? He blesses Noah. But then you go a little bit further in Genesis, you go to chapter 12, and what does he do? I'm going to bless Abraham. Why? So that he will be a blessing The blessing is is so critical to the whole story of what God is doing. So when I ask you today, where are you serving? Who are you serving? Where are you serving in the church? Forget that. I don't even want to ask that anymore. I want to ask, who are you blessing? 
who, not where. Serving, no, blessing. If we saw when I'm serving in the nursery, I'm blessing that baby. If I saw when I was a small group leader for a five-year, fifth graders, I'm blessing the fifth graders. If I saw as a 12th grade uh, person, small group leader, pouring into that generation right before they go off to college, I'm not serving the 12th graders. I'm blessing them. What if we flip the script? And as we're serving and as we're living and as we're investing, we are blessing people. Listen, as parents, as grandparents, as aunts, as as uncles, as people who are in this generation, if you're in this room today, who are you blessing? Intentionally? What's the structure? Have all the elements, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, is it there? And how specific are you? How well are you blessing that individual? You know, We are called in the Abrahamic covenant calling to be a blessing. Father God, I pray in this space, in this time, that we will own the calling on our life to be a blessing. But Lord, I realize that some in this room are not living with the blessing the blessing of your forgiveness, the blessing of your presence in their life. And Father, I would pray that in this space, in this time, that right here, right now, that that Lord, you would would awaken them. You would cause them to call on you and say, Lord, I need you. I need the blessing from you, God. But that we would not just be receivers of the blessing. We would be givers of the blessing into the next generation. Father, for those who are like Joseph who've lived 40 years without the blessing, I pray for their hurting hearts. I pray for the pain, the loss, and I pray that you would put people, if it's be Grace Point Church in their life, small group leaders in their life, Sunday school teachers in their life, put people in their life, put pastors in their life, put deacons in their life, that the blessing would be on them. And that, Father, we would take that blessing and share it. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?